Hello and welcome to the Coast Football Ramble podcast. This week we speak to Central Coast Mariners Sporting Director and Manchester United Assistant Manager Mike Phelan. If you would like to hear the full show, you can find it on SoundCloud. Links to the audio can be found through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram pages or on the CCM Fans Forum or Reddit. I'm your host Jimmy and I'm joined by Luke, Josh and Morrow with Sean Millercamp also in the room. We're joined this week by Mark Phelan. How are you, mate? I'm very good, thank you. That's Just good. getting over my jet lag, but uh, yeah, once I get a kip, I'll be better. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, well, thank you for coming in. We greatly appreciate You're that. Welcome. Right, a couple of tough questions to start with. <laughs> Has Sean warned you about this? No, Carry on. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Do you scrunch or fold? What does that mean? Okay. Oh. It's a British thing. Okay. <laughs> when you visit the bathroom. <laughs> I use a beater. <laughs> okay. Good answer. Nice. That's the first we haven't of had that answer that's, yet. That's yeah. the first one of that we've had. Quality. Definitely. Quality. Um, do you keep your sauce in the fridge or the cupboard? In a cupboard. A cupboard. Yes. Ooh, nice. Good man. That's yep. the way it you. should be. Is it Master Foods? No. Oh, <laughs> controversial. But it could be. <laughs> Better sell some We're not sponsored by them yet. We've tried, but anyway. You tried fitting one of those big. Ketchup balls behind the goals down you on the ground. Do that. Flipping it. Fit mm. one of them in your fridge. Your fridge is a fair size. <laughs> <laughs> um, last week, when you were in Paris sitting on the bench, did you ever picture yourself sitting here in an office talking to us? No. <laughs> no, I must admit that's the furthest from my mind when you're <laughs> sitting at PSG trying to get a result from 2 0 down. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Okay, let's there's there's no Man United fans in here, so you won't get too many congratulations That's on okay. that. But well like, done, anyway. Who do you support, Sean? I can't remember. No, I don't have it. You don't? No, I don't have a, uh, an English team. All right. Mm. I'm Spurs, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool. So we're all competing, really, here. <laughs> all the way. Aren't we? We're all going for Pretty that. Pretty much. <laughs> Fourth there's, spot. There's, there's, gen- <laughs> <laughs> there's generally war here. Or third spot, even. <laughs> Possible third spot. Uh, we'll fold. Um, <laughs> Right, um, on to the football matters. Most including uh, MC seem to agree recruitment for this season has not worked out for us. Um, according to MC, you came in late in regards to recruitment, but uh, played a big part in Aidan O'Neill's signing. Uh, what are your thoughts about how we recruited and uh, where do you think we need to improve? Well, we need to improve wholeheartedly, really, in, in the recruitment process. Uh, in the case of Aidan O'Neill, Aidan O'Neill came on the radar because uh, he was at a local club of mine where I started as a professional at Burnley. I'd heard about Aidan over the over a period of time and how he came to, to end up at Burnley, but I also knew he was Australian and that was the deciding factor really. I wanted to bring potentially a good Australian back to Australia for a season to play football and to progress and part of the conversation with Aidan was if he came back because he was possibly going to be loaned out somewhere obscure. Um, and I felt that being Australian and the way the Australians feel about sport and the restructuring of the national team, I thought that was a possibility to get him into that, that group of players. And I thought that could be one for the future. So Aidan bought into that. He had one or two things on his mind that he wanted to do. But, you know, it was an easy sell to Aidan. He wanted to come back to Australia, play some football, 
and improve himself. And the big thing with Aidan was he wanted the next challenge. You know, I, I felt as though uh, at his age, he was developed far more than probably kids of his age in Australia. And, uh, and that's proved a point. So it was exposing him to that, but also for other people to see where you're at, you know, in the grand scheme of things in professional sport in England with a good football club, um, trying to prove a point, but having to come back to Australia and show everybody that, you know, he's probably more advanced than the kids of his age in Australia. It With Aiden, I feel it is easy to forget how young he actually is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, that's all the tattoos he has and all that. Like, <laughs> he looks like... He looks like he's been there, seen it and done it. But but I think his attitude's been good. And and part of the conversation, even when he's been here and uh, and I've been on the phone to him, has been about the learning curve that he takes from this. You know, it's massively important. He came in probably expecting more uh, and and probably has, has felt the hardship of, of being part of the Mariners this season. But he's kept, he's kept at it, you know, and he's played out of position. He's played, mm. you know, in his normal position. He's suffered a few... Uh, referees' decisions along the way, which is part and parcel of it. But I think he's grown into the role, and he's never been deflated in the conversations I've had. He's been annoyed and he's he's been upset about certain things, but he's kept going, and that's that's huge. You know, that's the I think that's shown to to the supporters that you know he's he's trying. Do you feel like he could be the next big Australian star in England? Well, he obviously needs to get games in England. That's that's the difficulty. You know, the, there is a phase in England now where how many games do you get when you, when you reach that, that sort of level? And, and who's brave enough to give them that opportunity? I think what Aidan's done by coming to Australia is give himself a better a better position to go on from that. Um, you know, the situation with him now, he's still contracted at Burnley. So I spoke with the manager at Burnley and he's, he's keen to, to have a look at him and see what he's got from Australia um, and hopefully they'll give him that, that assistance he needs now to, to push on and be part of Australian football you know even though it may be from a distance but at least Australia knows that there's potentially a serious prospect there mm-hmm. Do you think there's any potential that he'll stay next stay here next season? Or do you well think that's open to back? conversation um, you know I think he's experienced a hell of a lot this season more than probably expected yeah. he's dealt with it really well I don't know whether that's that's helped him make any decision for the future. But certainly, he's going to finish the season in a better position, silly enough, because he's broke through into the into the national squad. Um, so he can take heart from that. Whether it means he stays at the Mariners for a little bit longer, I don't know. That's a, that's a discussion that's probably left till, till the end of the season, I think. But one that Burnley would um, be making decisions about, depending on what they see as his potential immediately. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Burnley, Burnley, you know, hold his contract, so yeah. you know he's still contracted to them. So whatever, whatever Burnley decide to do is what Burnley decide to do. But there's a shot that if they think he can get more of a boost by staying, that there's a possibility yeah. that could. Yeah, that's a conversation that I think is only right to have. Uh, but Burnley, you know, whatever happens now, Aiden is marketable now. You know, he's played games. Uh, he wasn't doing that at Burnley. The downside of it is probably Burnley could have done with Aidan O'Neill at certain times this year, but mm. he chose to be here. So that'll be up to them how they approach it going forward. But I would think, you know, discussing it with the people that have worked with Aidan, they would love to, to keep him here, but we have to think of Aidan's future as well. Sure. Can you tell some of the fans listening some of the main changes you've played a part in since you arrived at the Mariners? I know you had some thoughts on the academy. 
sort of yeah well my role when i first had discussions about uh joining the mariners was taking a look at the mariners looking at what's been going on and then apply my experience to try and look at developing something a little bit further that's been a long long process in a short period of time funnily enough and there has been some major decisions probably underneath this you know within the structure which is not not sort of shown itself on the football field but we came in we observed it i've been over three times now the last time i was here i was here for nine ten weeks and we got some work done we put a little bit of structure in the academy which um has worked to some degree and in others it's it's needs tinkering with a little bit more but that's the reason why I come in, I'm coming back. You know, it's an opportunity now for me to spend a week here during the international break. I was due to come back in January uh, for a longer period of time, but then obviously the biggest club in the world came around and asked me to go back. Nearly. Which the room just rolled their eyes. <laughs> very, is very difficult to uh, to turn down, but it still gives me the opportunity to to be here and uh, and see what's what's gone on in that period of time. So I'm not sure what sort of part you played in it, but um, what was the thinking regarding bringing the two young players from Shepherd United across as opposed to promoting perhaps our own youth? Well, the thinking behind it was the opportunity to do it because I think at the time um, a couple of centre-backs were injured. Certainly one was leaving. Um, so there was a, a process put in place as to how do we... How do we adjust that and how do we do it quickly? And when you look at the depth in the youth and the situation that the club found themselves in, sometimes you're exposing youth for the wrong reasons and it can be damaging and possibly they weren't ready for it. So you bring in, like we go back to the Aidan O'Neill situation, Sheffield United have two promising young kids there, uh, determined young kids. There is a connection with the Mariners and Sheffield United. Uh, and they came to the assistance and, and offered the services, which, which is a credit to the two boys as well, because you know they, they were comfortable doing what they were doing. But I think overall, you found inexperience, gaining experience whilst they've been here, you know. And I think that that benefits everybody. And what's important when you talk about these, and it's easy to say, well, the non-Australians and this, that, and the other. But, but I think for Australian boys to look at what these guys are bringing is also something that they should they should aspire to you know and, and and show them the workload that they need to put in and the effort they need to put in because these guys are disciplined you know and how do you think they've gone i think it's been mixed i think they've they've, they've come in at a difficult time i think they've grasped the opportunity i think it's you know i think in the first instance the weather was a big surprise to them you know, if ever you've been to Sheffield, you know what yeah. I'm talking about. Um, and then they come into to, to the summertime in Australia, which which is an experience in itself. So I think over that period of time, they've learned to deal with that. They've learned to deal with being away. They've learned to deal with, you know, the way losing every week doesn't help. You know, and 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 hopefully they'll come through it in the next in the next six eight weeks, whatever's left of the season, and uh, and they'll take something out of it because I think they've given they've given they just need that little bit more help so with our youth you know looking at those two seeing what they need to do to get to the next level um, <clears throat> is there any opportunity for our youth to go over there and you know be experienced well, that's, you know, the, 
situation. hopefully going to be part of the process. I think it's important to uh, for them to understand the standard. I mean, we can all watch the Premier League on the TV, but that's not what's going on all over the country. And it's easy to look at that and think I can do that. The difficulty is, is how much time and preparation have you put in in order to be at that level? I think that's something that, you know, Australian kids need to be educated in. They need to understand that it doesn't just happen. It's got to be worked at. Uh, you've got to put the hours in and the dedication in and you've got to have an attitude for it. You know, it's it's not just put your boots on and out you go. There's a lot of prep goes into it in order mm-hmm. to get you into that 95 minutes of a football match at the higher level. So I think education's a big thing. They need to understand that graft, graft pays off, especially in football. What you put in, most of the time you get out. First of training, last uh, out. Yeah, you've got to you've got to understand what training's all about and what coaching's all about and 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 what you want to learn from it, and then you've got to develop. And when we talk about development, which which is something that you know the Mariners have been been good at, then faded away a bit, but hopefully they can get it back now. Then it takes time. It takes time, but we all know, guys, that times and patience is not at its foremost in professional sport. So so they need that. And we have to take the flak for that along the way, and we, but we have to stay strong and, and, and back it. What are some of the main things that you think we've maybe faded away from in our development since we sort of were sort of developing a few good players and sort of as of recent times, maybe only two or three have maybe really sort of gone on to be consistent A-League players? One thing the, the A-League has got, it's got the opportunity to develop football players. It has got the opportunity and different clubs want to do it a different way. Um, but there's no secret to development. It's time, it's patience, but it's good practices. It's good practices. And then hopefully the penny drops. But I understand, you know, the system over here sometimes is productive, but it's also counterproductive in the fact that, you know, education plays a big part. Work plays a big part. Is it a career football in Australia? The, you know, you, you can ask that question because some will say it is and some will say it isn't because... You know, there's 10 teams in a league. Probably each club has 25, 26 players in it. You know, you do the maths, it's not a lot. There's 10 managers, 10 coaches and things like that. So it's a small, small environment. But there's lots of people out there who can do it better than the guys that are doing it. You know, and uh, so competition's great. But the, the point is, is having good people doing good things for good causes. And that is to try and develop the best you can be. And it doesn't matter whether you're Sydney, Brisbane, Central Coast. Do what you can do to be the best you can be rather than the best. No point Central Coast Mariners being Sydney. Mm. There's no point. You just won't get there. But you can be the best Central Coast Mariners team that you can possibly be. And I think that's the aim that this small pool of people here who are working hard are trying to achieve. And it's difficult. Don't get me wrong, it's difficult. What do you think of the FFA curriculum? I haven't really looked too much into that. It's uh, it's it's not something that I really want to get wrapped up in. I think Australia is Australia for a reason, you know. Yeah. And believe me, when I talk to people, I want Australians playing football in Australia. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not anti-Australian or anything like that. I just want to see people progress. But I'd love, to, I'd love to see Australian football being played by Australian people the Australian way. Rather than try and copy someone else. Yeah, yeah but there's bits you can copy, there's bits you yeah. can add, but you've got to have an identity which is Australian. 
you know, I came into this country with my eyes wide open. It was my first visit a year ago. And you have this idea of what athletes are in Australia and what the conditions are and, and what sports do in Australia and the fabric of that. And then when you get here, you look at it from the football point of view or a soccer point of view, and it's brand new. It literally is brand new at the professional level. You know, and everybody's trying to make a mark in it and everybody's trying to do some things, but you have to stay true to your beliefs and true to your, your own culture. And I think the Mariners are are one of the more traditional football clubs over the last 15 years that the league's been going. But it's lost its way a little bit. But that doesn't mean to say you can't get it back. You know, and uh, and that's that's the challenge. Have you got a sense, since you came here and had a look around, at what whether we have a, a real showing identity or we're still developing that identity? Or are you, are you thinking you can be a part of um, uh, the future of our identity being Yeah, I'd like found? to be. I'd like to be part of, of the future. You know, the reason I came in was to offer help and advice. And, and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not the one who can make things happen directly because there are other people in the establishment to do that. But I can offer an insight into what it takes to be better at what you do. You know, I I come from an elite background. So I understand what it takes to be in an elite performance facility. Now, I'm not saying that the Mariners are an elite performance facility. That would be wrong of me to say that. But there are certain things there that can be developed more. You know, and it needs a little bit of understanding and a little bit more pain and patience in order to get there and, and, and you just need people to buy into that and, and understand there's no quick fix. You know, what's happened in the past has happened. The future is what you make it and it's it's going to be hard, you know, and it's going to take a lot of understanding from people and, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, supporters of this football club have, have suffered but they also know the good side of it as yeah. well. So so I'm sure, like me, they want it again but it's, it's not just switching a light bulb on you know it's uh, it takes a bit more effort for the listeners that might not know can you give an idea of what fixes you have sort of brought into the club well we're trying to establish good coaching processes um and that's you know that's something that i think is is distinctly lacking you know you need good practices one thing that we we try to think about is the amount of training you do you know if i look at it purely with my professional head on and my experience players don't train long enough here they don't train hard enough you know we live in a beautiful place Mm. you know and there's plenty of time to go surfing rather than training you know and it's 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 just a fact of life but we have to create a condition at the football club with better facilities to be able to say no this is where your workplace is this is where your career is this is where you do the hours you know and uh, and that's that's not easy when things are sort of set in stone a little bit over the over the years you know young kids young kids to the credit and I've spoke about this a lot young kids to the credit travel they travel early in the morning they get to the training ground they train for an hour then they travel back to where they come from go to school go to work and they do that three times a week it ain't enough. It's a credit to them for what they do, but it isn't enough on the grass. They spend more time in the car than they do on the grass. So when you talk about development, we've got to try and change that idea and that, that way of doing things. And that's difficult. That's not that's not an easy fix. Speaking of kids, do you feel like we might lose some young talent through the cracks of, say, academies or, you know, um, 
say, even Central Coast United, where you've you got to pay to be in those academies, you've got to pay to be in that club, do you feel like we might lose some talent that can't afford that? I think you'll always lose talent in any football club because you make decisions along the way and some some talent reaches a certain peak and, and troughs, you know, and it's it's deciding where the development phase is. And if you're talking about the money side of it, then the system over here encourages parents to pay for coaching. You know, and that's quite an unusual an unusual thing for me to get my head round, you know. Do you think but it's wrong? I don't think it's wrong. I think it's the system. The system allows that to happen. I think clubs survive on that sometimes as well. And, and I think that's that's one of the reasons why education becomes priority. You know, they pay to be coached, but then the education is priority. You know, and uh, and you have to abide by that until until it uh, it's possible to change it. So there's been a lot of changes in the last sort of couple of weeks, uh, mainly with the head coach. Obviously, Alan made a good start to his caretaking role on the weekend. Uh, are we keeping an open mind? with these last sort of five games of the, of the season or are they really there for him to prove himself to maybe stay? Well, the object of bringing Alan is was we needed to do something relatively quickly. Um, and Alan was on, on the radar. He comes with a good profile. You know, Mike, Mike, and we have to speak about Mike because Mike took on a hard job, a hard role. Um, it didn't work out and that, that happens in football. Could we do better? Yeah. I think both staff, players all play a part in that. We all have to take responsibility for that. But at the top end of football, the manager is always the one that carries the can. I think he understood that. Uh, results weren't there. But then the process goes into place as to what do you do? Do you know? Do you go down the road of promoting from within? Or do you take the option that a good manager comes along who's suffered a little bit? find himself out of work and, and he wants the next challenge and he wants it quickly. So we had that opportunity to do that and, you know, with Sean, Sean's help of identifying Alan pretty quickly. We went down that pathway to get him in and, and these opportunities there to prove people wrong, you know, and I think it's a fabulous start. You know? It was. It was frantic, <laughs> but it, it got he got through it. But now he realises what it is to be in charge of the Mariners. Yes. It's the first time I've ever been happy at a football game in about four years, I think. So it was nice. <laughs> well, that's did, good. Was that the, true. So was, you want more now, don't you? I, yes, course. of course. Yeah. Was, drug. Did the did the promoting from within, which I assume is Monty, did that cross the mind much? or? Well, I think, you know, in Monty's case, I think Monty was up for the challenge. Um, but you have to make decisions not based on emotion, really. You have to you have, you have to make decisions based on what is good, um, sort of short, medium, and long term. Right now, the opportunity came along to bring somebody in as a caretaker um, who wanted to do it pretty rapidly, and he understands the consequences of a short term deal at the moment. You know, we're going to from now to the end of the season, and then there'll be a discussion. Uh, along the way as to how we see that and, and, and the people that are working in and around Alan as to what can they offer, what can they bring to the table and can, is it possible? Is it possible to uh, to do that? But, you know, one win out of one is a decent start. It's doubled, uh, Better than what we doubled have the results <laughs> straight away. So <laughs> so the return's not bad. Yes. Well, I, and I guess with Monty as well, is, is there some sort of thought there that 
he, I guess, has to wear some of the blame for what has happened during the season? Blame's a strong word, but yeah, everybody's accountable, yeah. right down to me, right down to Sean, right down to the owner, right down to the people involved in the football club. Everybody feels it. Nobody feels it more than the people that I've just spent a day with in the office. You know, moods sway based on results. So you can imagine what the moods have been like. The point is, nobody wants to, to lose the job. But you have to act in the best interests of the football club at times. And, you know, it was difficult for me to 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 see Mike go. Very difficult. But there is a reason why. And, you know, we explain that to him. And, you know, he's a football guy. He, understand, he understands the results. Results play a big part. Uh, but going forward, then you've got Monty. Monty's aspiring to be a coach, a leader in his own right. He was a leader as a player. But he's still he's still picking up those those reins bit by bit. But he's he's gone through quite a lot himself in the learning process. He's contributed to success and and failure. But that's part of the job, you know. Sometimes people learn more out of failure than they do they do in in, in the success. So so Mont is you know sticking sticking at it. It's important he does that. He is a face of the football club. You know, he's uh, he's more than capable. It's just he needs he needs now people around him to support him and uh, and to bring him through this 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 patch. Are you, com- are you confident he'll be here next season? If well, who knows whether it's Alan or whether it's well, I've been in this game too long now to to put my neck out and you know make those sorts of statements. You don't want to give him the vote of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Does that ever work? <laughs> Doesn't help. <laughs> So, you know, my experience tells me that you work with what you've got and you try and produce the best you can out of that. And then if it takes us on a great journey, it will do. If it doesn't, then, you know, decisions get made along the way. So everybody at this moment in time is trying to piece together, you know, the jigsaw puzzle that that hasn't been pieced together from the start of the season. You know, and there's six games to gain some credibility or five games to gain credibility. It started well. Um, and hopefully people will see, you know, that the club's going to go again and it's going to try. I think, you know, as long as we try, that's that's the main thing. But we've no divine right to be higher than 10th. Results tell you that. So, you know, if in the next five games, Alan can win all five, there's a possibility we could finish ninth. That's a start. <laughs> I'm happy with that. <laughs> I'm really happy with that, considering the first half. Never thought I'd. Yeah. Never thought I would say I'd be happy with ninth, but so here with we are. Yeah. small gains. Mm. <laughs> so with that bit of uh, background uncertainty around the coach and the future, this is a fan show, of course, and we ask the fans for questions. and And one of the favourite fans' questions has been, "When will we sign Tom Hiarie or re-sign Tom Hiarie and try to sign Jem Carajan?" Obviously, there. They've um, done enough in in terms of uh, some of the fans to for them to think that that's what they should be, um, what we should be doing. Um, those sorts of decisions would normally be made, I guess, at the sporting director level. Um, are you going to be responsible for new signings and retention? I guess is the other question around that. Yeah, I have an input into into all those aspects. You know, it goes with the with the title. You know, Tom has been in and out of the team. He's been injured quite a bit. I do understand that he's a fan's favourite. Um, Can I just point out to the listeners that he has legitimately been injured? <laughs> Conspiracy <laughs> theory. So, sorry, go well, on. Well, that's what I'm aware of. He's been injured yeah. and, and he's, he's, he's had in different form as well when he has played. 
regarding contracts with with Jem. Jem came in. Um, Jem was 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 nearly coming into this football club at the start of the season. You know, we were a whisker away of getting him in, and and for other reasons, he got he got a better offer somewhere else, and and he he went. But as that progressed at that club, and it didn't work out for him, there was an opportunity to come, and we managed to get him in. It is the back end of the season, and he's done very well. He's done he's done as well as we expected him to do. And he shows qualities, he shows leadership qualities and he's experienced. The fact of the matter is now is, yeah, in, in, in the next few weeks, I'm sure there will be discussions made leading towards the end of the season as to what he wants to do and, and where he sees his future. If we can facilitate that, then why wouldn't you want, you know, Jem to be a part of this football club? I think he's got the qualities to take this club forward. He's got the experience. It's just a case now, is does he, does he want to apply that here? Um, and what will it cost? You know, there's always that issue. It's never about the money till it's about the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially here. <laughs> yeah, even if someone wants to stay, you don't necessarily want to pay them there to stay. But uh, anyway, do you take responsibility for the loss of Miller and Payne, Aspro and possibly Rolls to other clubs? Initially, uh, that all started through outside influences. Uh, and then it came to our attention probably late in the day. Um, I have spoken to three of those players that you've mentioned uh, in the meantime uh, and it's developed the way it's developed there's still possibilities that those players will stay at this football club Uh, hopefully they see sense but you work with these players every day but sometimes you can't have conversations with them because there are intermediaries who change that conversation so that's the situation we're in. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss him away from this interview. Um, what like We lost a uh, strength and conditioning coach at the start of the season for reasons. We'll discuss that elsewhere. What impact do you think not having him made for this season? Do you, do you feel like the under strength at the moment, under conditioned? I think looking back, um, there's been certain times through this season. I mean, the one thing I had to get my head around is the, this is the longest pre-season in the history of pre-seasons in Australia. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, I'm used to 10 days before you play the first game. You know, here it's 12 weeks before yeah. you even got into it. So, so to get my head around that was difficult. Um, but if you get it wrong, you suffer. You pay the price. And it, it felt that we were always chasing chasing time uh, and there was a moment when I thought January January will be the moment it would kick in because it didn't it didn't go according to plan uh, but that changed uh, and we tried which is difficult mid-season to to restructure that and bring somebody else in um, and it's it's been it's been difficult for that person as well to, to start mid-season in competition to actually do things during competition that you should probably be doing before you get into competition. So there's a lesson learned there. Because you want to push them to get them fit, but not necessarily push them too far that they burn out. Yeah, but you need to do enough to get them to the point where they're competitive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if I go back now to the, I flew in and I watched the Adelaide game in the cup, the first game. Now that was the first game. Yes. For the football club. Out of 12, how many weeks it was. But Adelaide had played eight games by then. That yeah. was a big it's thing true. amongst us at the yeah. time as and well. That, that is something that, you know, hindsight tells you was the wrong thing. 
but once you've lost those weights, you've lost them. It's very difficult to get them back at any level, let alone the minor level. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there is a lesson there that, that that's got to be different. If you turn up at the training ground, and I've been there a fair bit recently, then it's noticeable that there has been some changes around that um, part of the club. There's a couple of resources there um, that are uh, in the strength and conditioning space. Are you, are you satisfied that that now has filled the gap that, that um, we, we... Well, no, you know, and if I said I was satisfied, then I wouldn't be doing my job right. <laughs> Fair um, yep. I think you've always got to strive for improvement all the time. You know, The difficulty is, is finding the right people to do it. And do they want to do it for a start? You know, and uh, and do they want to take on that responsibility and lead the club forward? That's that's the important thing. There are gaps to be filled. There's still more gaps to be filled because it's nowhere near really where you want it to be as far as the the infrastructure and the people. But it's better to get a small amount of people doing a good job than a lot of people not doing a good job. So you've got to be delicate that way. And and there are improvements. There has been, believe it or not, more investment in the playing side um, than has been given credit to but part of it has been uh, has not worked I think we have to admit that you know and it's it's difficult but on the grass it's been hard it's been hard to watch but there actually has been investment on the grass there's been investment underneath you know which obviously supporters don't see and I'm talking about the academy and the restructuring there and even even within the commercial side of it there's been investment in that and, and it's just a case of getting it all together. And what helps Sean and his commercial team is a winning team on the pitch. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and then people put bums on seats exactly. and come and watch. Um, and they don't vote with the, the, with the feet, you know, or, or whatever. They, they, they vote with the, with the hands. And they, 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 uh, they clap when they see something working. Right now, it's the opposite of that. But hopefully that will change. You know, and, and we don't want to get used to this this satisfaction of mediocrity. You know, I don't come from that background, and but you try and work and you try and express the best you can how to we make improvements. But it requires a lot of buy-in, not just from the people who run the football club, but people outside of the football club. You know, we, we live on a coast, which is beautiful, like I've said, but we need help. Community plays a big part. Councillors play a big part. You know, the area needs professional sport in it. It's got it. It's definitely got it. What do you want to do with it? You know, there's a there's a question. But I wouldn't be here if I didn't think he'd had a fair chance of achieving something. You know, now I've got to combine it with, uh, with Man United. But right now, I'm still here. <laughs> so, uh, so hopefully, hopefully it will work. So speaking of investment, uh, Mike Charlesworth has indicated that there'll be more resources added next season to improve recruitment. We heard the exact same last season, like you said, and there has been more spent on the pitch. How can the fans trust that for next season? How are we going to differ from what we did the season just gone, even though we have spent more? Well, it's a good question because how much are the fans aware of what's been happening underneath and what's been happening on the on the football field I mean it's easy for a supporter to turn up watch a game and then be disappointed by it do we expose ourselves a little bit more as a football club to let you in on that let you in on the act of what is actually going on I think I think Mike you know and I've known Mike now 15 months he's changed he's definitely changed 
He's changed his mentality a little bit as to wanting to try and pursue something. He has invested more in it, which has been unusual for Mike in the years. <laughs> but, you know, everybody wants more. Yes. But, but you know, I think Mike's pretty focused on, on what he wants to try and do. I think he's listening now to football. You know, and uh, and he he has got an ear, and and you know me being in and around that, I think is helping him understand the pain and the gain, and and what have you. And I think that's difficult sometimes for supporters to get because they just react to the results. And fair play, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that's not the right thing to do, and and they've suffered disappointments along the way. But going forward, we've got to try and get the right people in to do the right job to produce something to show some identity as a football club. And if it's a developing identity and a developing football club for young players to get into, plus the backup of some some senior players along the way, then if that's the policy and that's the programme, how do we do it? You know, and and what does Mike want to do with that? And I think he's been pretty honest and open and taken quite a lot of responsibility in that respect. Um, But he's, you know, he wants it to work. There's no... I can't sit here and say that there's a guy sat back in England who doesn't want it to work out. He does. He does. How you do it is another thing. But if he uh, if he listens and he's learning, he's certainly learning, uh, then hopefully he can make it work. So do you think maybe the, the last four seasons has maybe been a learning process for him as much as anyone else? I don't know about that. Um, Mike would know more about, you know, since he'd taken taking on the role or taking on the club what it's done and, and, and where it's gone um, only he can answer that question but I see it as an opportunity to to build something um, like I said if I didn't I wouldn't have joined up for this because um, I, I wouldn't need to do that I wouldn't need to uh, state my reputation on it um, without having a belief that you can make some changes uh, right now Mike's been true enough to give everybody that opportunity. But he suffered. He has suffered. And he feels it. But he wants to get it right. I'm sure he does. I mean, who in football doesn't? If you, you know, you're the head of something and it's not working, why do you want to be in it if you're getting grief all the time? You know what I mean? So I do think he wants to, to, to show that his credibility there. So in the if if there will be some more investment or has been more investment in recruiting and with you having such a big role to fill in the UK, uh, how do you uh, think that uh, that can work in terms of recruitment on the ground in the future and your involvement? Well, the, one of the beauties of it is is I'm in a position to talk to Mike uh, and Sean. Sean's still part of this, and to the to the manager, whoever that is going to be in the future so there is a connection there straight away when it comes to recruiting then this football club needs people to recruit it needs and what I mean by that is not just players it needs people who know how to recruit you know and and that is something we're definitely working on it needs somebody in Australia to scout it needs somebody to do the legwork and it needs somebody to find Australian players you know it's easy to see it on a on a website, it's easy to Google it and all that, but you've got to know your you've got to know your stuff. Uh, so that's something that the football club's looking into, um, and also there's other elements to to the structure within the club that needs to be improved. 
you know, sports analysis, sports science, all these things. But when I talk about community and when I talk about all these things, there are people in this community that go to university, that study sport. So we're trying to get an involvement with universities. We're trying to get involvement with grammar schools. We're trying to get involved with, with you know, Australian schools in sport. So we're trying to bring them in because there's people who can offer a service to this football club and it's trying to convince them that part of a degree course could be part of the Mariners. Why not? Get some ground experience whilst you're studying. You know, and we need to try and get ourselves involved a little bit more and, and see whether that's a possibility. At the moment, we're making few, a little inroad. We could do a bit more, but but I think it's there. It's definitely there. And so it's a resource that we haven't used yet. Do you plan to spend the EPL off-season in Australia or directing from the UK or a mixture of both? Well, it depends on what the situation happens at, at, uh, at Man United now. I mean... We're still caretaker, as they want to call it. Uh, no decisions have been made on, on, on anything permanent. I still feel as though I've got something to offer here, here, even if that was the case to this football club. I'd like to see it through. Those decisions will probably be sorted out in the, uh, in the off-season. But the off-season, for me in England, will be finished. If we go all the way to the Champions League final... I hope you don't. That's June the 1st. <laughs> <laughs> and Man United will be back training July the 1st. And they'll be in Australia July the 15th or something like that in Perth. So it's four weeks of non-football. Mm. If I can spend a bit of that time here, uh, I will do so. If not, I might have to spend it with my family because at the moment it's seven days a week, 24-7. But that's the nature of the beast. A lot of uh, football managers have said that in the UK that, you know, they just can't go a couple days without football. They need to go out and see a game, regardless of who's playing. If it's like Division 2 or whatever, they just need to go out and watch a game. Yeah, a lot of people say that, but do they really mean it? Because I enjoy a couple of days off (laughs) (laughs) if I can get them. But uh, my involvement's been pretty strong since I've been back in England, so I've been doing the the day job in England at Man United and I've been doing the mornings and the evenings on the phone to Australia you know maybe that's um, when's the sleeping <laughs> well you catch a little nap in the <laughs> afternoon or you get you do one of these power naps now I've learned a good power nap have you had any when since you got, <laughs> have you had any since you got back here this time well no I've only just got back in the company so I'm still running on adrenaline at the moment I'll probably sleep well tonight but uh, <laughs> but that's that's just the way it is. It's it's total commitment and total involvement, but I do enjoy the days off when you get them. And so you should. You need to switch off, otherwise, you know, you uh, you can't see the wood for the trees sometimes because it is consuming. Um, and every game looks the same, so you have to take a little backward step now and again to, to recharge. This is an opportunity for me to do that in the next next 10 days. You know, I've got a lot of things I've got to do here or listen to and try and try and act on. And then I've got to enjoy my time whilst I'm here. And then I've got to go back to, I was telling Sean there, that uh, go back to April where there's a game every three days. So that's success, I suppose. But it's one game a week out here, which is... Uh, it's a holiday out here, which is why <laughs> I think some of the players come out, to be honest. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well, thank you very much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. You're and um, best of luck for Eddie. Thank you. Thanks very much, Mike.
You're welcome. Coast Football Ramble will return shortly with more interviews. If you'd like to get in touch, join us on our social media pages. Again, thank you for listening.